welcome to selfdiscoveryradio.com, where we bring you insightful, liberating, intuitive people from around the globe. They share their life's journeys and experience wisdom to guide you on your own discovery of self. Each week from Tuesday to Monday, we will bring you new shows on our many genres, and with over 1,400 shows, we have the answers for you. Enjoy your listening on selfdiscoveryradio.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Positive Living Vibrations with me, your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest all the way from the UK today, Margaret Carhill. Margaret was recently diagnosed with mantle cell lymphoma. We're going to discover a little bit more of what that actually is, but more importantly, uh, the journey that it started for her. She decided uh, to start a blog exploring her journey through this uncharted landscape and also we're kind of keeping in touch with the huge amount of people um, that her partner Stephen and her new. Uh, she encouraged people to post comments and, and to blog quick, and the blog quickly became a source of great support for her. Uh, she really enjoyed writing about the trials and the tribulations, and the good and also the bad, and the ugly sides of having cancer, and also the challenges involved in keeping um, her own company, the Wessex Astrologer, which is based in Bournemouth in England. Um, so we're going to discuss not only the challenge of lymphoma, but also, you know, the challenges of trying to maintain a life while doing that and the journey that it's taken her on um, in her own healing process and the adaption that she's had to have, not to embrace her illness, but to embrace her wellness. And first and foremost, Margaret, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling fine, actually. I'm really fit um, i'm going to a fitness class after this <laughs> actually um yeah i'm i'm doing really well um i'm in remission and it's just a question of building up my stamina and obviously watching my diet and um you know trying to eat well to support my immune system exactly so keeping a healthy immune system you will not be looking at it again would you just let people know what actually mental cell lymphoma is so they can actually understand what you were diagnosed with yeah, mantle cell lymphoma is um, a cancer of the B cells in the blood. Um, it's a very rare cancer and um, unfortunately it's becoming more common because it's linked with pesticides. They're 99% sure um, that it's linked with Roundup. And um, what happens is there's a chromosomal swap between, I think it's um, 11 and 18, which um, and until very, very recently, like a couple of months ago, was considered irreversible and incurable. Um, it's very aggressive. Uh, I was fortunate because it was picked up um, very early on, and I'm the right side of um, 60, um, so they were able to throw everything they really could at it. So, yeah, it's a blood cancer. It's similar to leukemia. Now, the interesting thing is, before we go any further on that, is that um, I actually have a, a show out this last week um, on... Um, GMOs and Monoceto and of course Roundup is kind of the huge culprit and people just don't realize how that stuff uh, is everywhere and uh, even the organic farms with the winds blowing you know they get these pesticides mm -hmm. that are blowing everywhere and that is becoming a massive concern today and that uh, GMO and all these Roundups and pesticides are being banned in so many countries because they're recognizing how it's causing cancer and many other um, ailments along the way but here in North America we're still very very slow because there's way too much profit to it so there's the denial and the lies uh, and everything else going on so letting people know that you know a simple thing like Roundup and pesticides which is on your foods and in your air can cause this is a very very important thing to get across um, because it's nothing kind of you weren't living a bad lifestyle in order to get this this was actually an environmental thing yeah um, and, and believe me I'm on my soapbox just about every day, probably, <laughs> uh, given the slightest opportunity um, to, to lecture people. Because, I mean, I was dead against GMOs um, even before I was ill, a long, long time ago, um, when they were sneaking them into our food. Um, I stopped off from the gym one day to get some, um, like, a, just some kind of snack, ready meal thing, um, and was reading the label. And at that stage, this was probably like 12 years ago, it said that some of the ingredients were from um, GMO sources. 
And I wrote to the supermarket and said, what's going on here? I don't want to eat this stuff. And I found one dish in a whole array cabinet um, that didn't have GMOs in it. So fortunately, because of organizations like um, 38 Degrees and Change and AVAS, um, you know, the, the word can spread very quickly and we can actually start to apply pressure to these companies, which you couldn't do before the Internet. Exactly. And, uh, and you know, of course, as I said, we're slow here, um, you know, because there is too much profit in it. There's too many big companies and big voices. I mean, you've got Nestle's right now. Uh, not only does he want to own the water, saying human beings don't have right to water, it's a commodity and he wants to own it, um, but flat out denial that GMO causes any form of cancer or any other form of illness. And it's a flat out lie because we know and there's enough research um, everywhere around the world that it does. And in case in point, you're lymphomic. Mm. Absolutely. And in the UK, we've got the same problem. It's so annoying because these other countries in Europe are burning their crops and refusing to have GMO. Um, and yet our government appears to be pro-GMO. So there's a lot of work to do there yet. Yes. And here in North America is very pro um, too, because again, it's profit, right? And mm-hmm. uh, we're, there's still this old arcade thinking that profit before people. And, uh, you know, it's, well, if you kill everybody off, where are you going to get your profit? Um, mm. They haven't thought about that it. yet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think Gmail's gone to their brain. <laughs> yeah. I think it probably has. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, education is really, really key in letting people know uh, you have to take ownership of what you put in your body. Um, and that means being aware, not just reading the labels, but understanding which companies uh, are still using the product. People like Nestle's and Kellogg's and uh, uh, numerous other of these companies companies that are doing this, um, I've actually got a list of them here somewhere, um, you know, that are doing it uh, and we're uh, unaware, um, mm. you know, because we think, oh, they won't lie to us, they won't do this, um, and yet here they are, and they're global, you know, they're global companies, um, you know, you've got uh, Best best Foods, which I'm not sure is over there, Cadbury's, you know, Biscuit, mm. Campbell's, uh, you know, Coronation, um, Chef Boyardee, um, Duncan Hines, um, I'm sure all of these foods are over mm-hmm. there. Hines, have Healthy Choice, uh, Natural Valley. I mean, if it just the list goes on and on oh, and on. And that's why I eat organic. Well, as a household, we eat organic. And, and if you can't get something in an organic form, then we try not to have it. Exactly. Because that's the only, although, as you say, there's a drift across the fields and obviously there's the bit where whatever bees are left are flying through these crops. Um, at least, you, you know, you've got a head start because it isn't being sprayed and they're not using GMO seeds. So that's why, um, you know, we make our own, like we make our own breakfast cereal, for example. We, we get organic pearl barley, which you boil and then you can drink the water, which is really good for you because it alkalines your system. Uh, alkalizes your system um, and then you can um, heat it up with organic almond milk when it's you know the next day for example mix it with organic nuts mix it with organic fruit as your breakfast yeah exactly exactly and there's a lot of things that we can do is, is again it's the awareness and you know for a lot of people say well I haven't got time for that well do you actually have time to get sick because mm-hmm. you yourself now uh, you know, you know exactly getting sick and how much it affected your business and your entire life. So mm-hmm. the old adage of stitch in time, mm-hmm. you know, um, had you known about this, you would have, you know, been more aware to look after your health had you known Roundup was going to do this to you. Um, but just tell us a little effect of what it's had on your life, never mind from just the sheer health aspect, but on how it affected your business and everything. Well, I was very, very lucky because our bookkeeper is um, truly an angel <laughs> sent to ease my way. Um, she, she's an old friend, too, from school. Um, and she, as soon as I was diagnosed, she just stepped straight in. Um, she was only coming into the office to do the books a couple of times a week to do the accounts. Um, and we very, because it, so, it happened so quickly, very, like after diagnosis, you know, everything moved very, very fast. Um, and so we compiled um, great big lists of, um, you know, like crib sheets so that whatever happened, she would know what to do. And she was sending out orders. She was doing all the things that she usually hates doing. She likes doing figures. 
Um, and she was dealing with customers and orders and suppliers and just anything and everything that came in. And I, I made sure that I had um, access to company email through various tortuous uh, means because um, in hospitals they don't like you to have easy Wi-Fi access in case obviously people try and access the systems. Um, so, But we managed to do it. So she was able to send me texts to say, look, there's an email you need to look at. So even when I was in having chemo, I was still on my laptop and we were kind of working together. And she was you know, sending me an email saying, I don't know what to do about this and what do you think about this particular problem. But she was incredible. And then um, like the real biggie, the one that was very, very hard on all of us, was when I was in isolation for 23 days. Um, when I had the stem cell transplant um, and for some of that time I really really was incredibly poorly um, and, and she just carried on she just she just managed everything and you know I think the company wouldn't be there now if it wasn't for her um, she's she's retreated back to her two half days a week now <laughs> <laughs> but she was incredible and you know all the people around me who offered to do packing and and it just i think when something like that happens um your friends the only way they can help because they want to help and the only way they can help is by diving in and whatever you need do you want a lift do you want shopping um you know what can we do for the company do you want books packing or do you want boxes sending out or do you want to go to the post office or you know, people are incredible. You, you really get an amazing amount of support. And you find out really true who your friends are, right? Um, mm. When you have a crisis, you know, those that step up. Um, mm. You know, they've all got busy lives themselves. But, you know, this goes back to the village. Um, you know, we need to be that village. And our friends and our community becomes that village. And if we don't help each other out, um, you know, it makes it for a very, very sad community. And... Every single one of us is going to need help at some point. And so you may as well just roll up your sleeves and get in there and help somebody because you know they'll be there for you when you know when something mm. happens to you. Yes, I think one thing it's shown me, because I was always quite a reclusive, um, insular person in a way. I mean, obviously, you know, we have a family life here, but... I'm not one to have a huge, great big list of friends and I don't tend to talk about a private life very much. And so for me, it was a very big thing to allow people in to help, you know, because in the past, if somebody said, oh, you know, do you want a lift? It'd be, no, 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 I'll be all right, you know. Yeah. But actually, we did need, uh, on one particular occasion, we did need a friend to, to come and take me straight to the hospital because I was unwell. And I think kind of releasing the stranglehold on your own life um, is, is a real lesson you know, to relax and let people in. And when, when people say to me now, because of the book, I'm being asked these kind of questions, um, and, and they say, well, what can friends do and what can the person do? And I say, just offer to help and just get them to let people in. You have to let people in to help you and support you. Because it's not just physical support, it's emotional and spiritual support too. I mean, your partner, I mean, it's not just supporting you, it's supporting them. Because when somebody, mm. you know, a loved one goes down, the immediate thing is you want to do everything you can for them. Mm. Um, and, you know, you, you yourself gets very, very, you know, um, trapped in at that point. So it's, um, it's really, really important that, you know, they're helped as well. And it might just be the moral support you know or you can't do everything let us step in and take this over for you um you know and even that the shoulder to cry on if you know if they need that emotional moment um that's what it's about yes because um there was one particular blog i wrote because i was really worried about him um because he he's the managing editor for watkins mind body spirit magazine which goes out across the world and as you know, with magazines, there are very fierce deadlines. Yes. Um, so he was looking after me, either coming in to see me in hospital and bringing me in home-cooked organic food because I couldn't eat the disgusting mess at the hospital. Um, he was going, going into work to, to sort all of his work out, going to the shops, coming back to see me. Uh, and, you know, he, he was sort of getting tireder and tireder. And, um, you know, that there were a few times when I was just so worried. And, and I wrote a blog about it, about how important it is to care for the carers. Yes. Because they do get forgotten. Um, and, you know, it's... Um, we, we, you know, we got so much support from people there. I mean, he, he's got a very wide... Um, sort of lots of contacts because of his work um, and that was really useful for him and, and they all you know helped him and he was in touch with them on email and, and everything um, 
So you have to just let, allow your support system to support you because that's what they want to do. And you know, and you, you know, a lesson learned from this. I mean, so many lessons learned from this, right? One, you know, round up how deadly it is. Um, you know, two, you're facing, you know, your your own either embracement of life, or you know, I'm sure at some point you felt, you know, demise, and it was what can I do about this to help myself through this, um, and what is there to learn from this? And so. Yes, the roundup and the GMOs and all the poisoning that's causing it, but then also the opening up the door to friends, uh, to people to help you where normally you, you wouldn't, um, and extending that information of a how-to for other people. So out of this journey of yours, a great deal has come out in order to help other people. Yeah, it's quite strange really because I always, I've always um, wanted to support people in a kind of emotional and spiritual way, and I think I do that. Um, but it, it certainly shown me the value of um, like really intense um, support. You know, it, it's um, it's actually getting into somebody's life with them and and sharing the information that you found out. And um, like on the blog, I was getting so many comments back that showed that people really were thinking about what I'd said, and they were talking to their friends about it, and they were coming back with suggestions and. Um, you know, it, it was it was part of the process that really, really helped me to grow. Um, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have expected that. No, um, but you know, like as a spiritual person, you know that nothing ever happens to us without a reason. Mm. And you know, at the beginning, it's like did uh, you? You know, it's like once I broke my ankle in three places. You know, I said, look, you know, a sprain would have done it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I would have got yeah. the message exactly. And, <laughs> and it's sometimes you know they are kind of like, why me? Um, and then you know, sometimes you might not get the direct answer. But then, as time goes by, you'll understand why you were chosen for this mm. journey to be this voice. And so, you know, you have, you know, I love your, your title, Under Cover of Darkness, My Journey Through, you know, <laughs> Mental Soul Lymphoma. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, you have to go to the darkness to actually understand what the light is, don't you? Yeah, and I, I didn't really have any choice in that. I mean, the, the title of the blog, actually, was because Judy Hall, who features quite heavily in the blog, um, when I told her what it was um, and, and had the name and she said now that's interesting isn't it because she's a past life aggression and into life and soul soulmates and everything um, and um, she said mantle now that usually covers up something so I wonder what's going to be revealed and that's why when I started writing it I called it Undercover of Darkness because I thought there's something yeah, there is something else going on here but I never dreamt that I would end up writing about it and that writing would become such a major part of my life. That's, that was, I couldn't have foreseen that one. <laughs> um, Definitely didn't see that one coming. And you are not the first person I've interviewed who has funny, you know, through something catastrophic happening in their lives, that it's, it's redirected them to their true path. And, you know, you can't be the kind of writer that you are now without going through the experience. Um, it's not just a question of, what you're writing about it's the depth in which you see things now mm -hmm. um you know and it's a deeper perception and understanding that you can share with people on anything that you write because of the journey you've taken yeah yeah because before this happened um i'd always wanted to write but um as i said in in one of the descriptions about barnaby that he used to work with me he'd say well you know you really should be writing and i say i haven't got a focus okay so you know i have been through divorce and bereavement and difficult times um but none of those was a specific focus and i wasn't in the right place you know to write anything um and now because of what's happened i feel as if i can talk about all those things as well as as having been ill because it opens doors and I'm not frightened to talk about things now exactly um, you've stepped out you've stepped outside of your own life <laughs> <laughs> it certainly feels like it <laughs> um, but you know you, your life is so much more purposeful I mean not that it wasn't before but you understand that it's so much more purposeful now um, and you know again we don't choose our journeys they're chosen for us um, but you know when we understand the light that comes out of it and the meaning behind it it's so much easier to embrace yes um and i think it's given me um several ways to help other people as well because apart from the actual writing about it 
Um, I'm being interviewed or getting reviews from people who are also quite influential in their own area. Um, like I only found out um, a couple of weeks ago that the lady who runs a fitness class that I'll be going to later um, is actually the PA to the operations director of the hospital I was treated in. And when the whole story came out, because I only got to know her recently, and when the whole story came out and I offered to give her a copy of my book, she was absolutely delighted because she wanted to know about the things that I was moaning about because that's basically what her boss does. He's the one who decided that they were cutting the funding for stuff like reflexology and aromatherapy. Right. So it's sort of... I've learned about things that need supporting or need changing, and I'm also being brought into contact with the people who might actually be able to affect that change. And that's a huge gift. Um, And, you know, one of my really big missions is to get the message into the NHS about, um, well, and all over the world, obviously, but I'm involved with the NHS in this, um, you know, about how alternative and complementary therapies can help patients to be stronger and to survive chemo. I mean, you know, I laugh always when I hear about anything, you know, like herbal or nutritional or any of these practices as being alternative. They were around a hell of a lot longer before Western medicine came in. Western medicine is actual fact the alternative. And Mm. some Western medicine is absolutely fantastic. You know, the things they can do today. But it's when they don't marry the two. You know, it's mm. rather like when people don't marry the spirit and, you know, and the human experience, right? Mm. Um, you're missing out. Uh, it's really essential that uh, the both find a collaboration together because that's the only way you can heal the whole. Well, this is why I was incredibly lucky because um, my consultant, who's from Kerala, um, completely understood my desire to, to include a Ayurvedic medicine. Um, and he said to me at the time, when I was about to ditch all of the chemo and just go off to India for six weeks, he said that if it was any other kind of cancer and it was slower growing, then, you know, by all means try it. He said, but with this particular cancer, it's what they call a chameleon cancer. And if I came back with one single cell left in my system, then it would start up all over again and they wouldn't have anything to treat it with. And he said, you know, you can, you are welcome to use absolutely anything you want to, just let me know. So I was incredibly lucky that I was able to use the best of the East and the West and anything that you want to call alternative or complementary. I, I usually try and, I'm trying to teach myself to call it complementary medicine yeah. rather than alternative, yes. but it kind of, you know, I, because it gets relegated <laughs> to alternative yeah. all the time. It's like brainwashing. But so, you know, one of the really strong messages that I want to get across is, is stuff like the vitamin A drops that help to protect your mouth in chemotherapy. Simple things, simple things. The other thing mm. is the B17 formula, which in North America, you can go to jail for using the formula. But in actual fact, it's almonds, apricot seeds, uh, cashew nuts, uh, millet, um, uh, you know, um, strawberries and various other types of berries. And it's, um, they call it the cyanide vitamin. And of course, it can be made into cyanide, but it's like a little Pac-Man. And when you start eating these things, it goes after those bad cells and just eats them right up. And it's a great preventator of cancer coming back because of the fact that it, you know, it eats at the unhealthy cells before they can contaminate any of the other cell structure. There are so many answers out there, out there, but we just need people to share them. So, you know, when people go, what can I do? Well, from your own experience, you're sharing. Yeah, well, on my blog, I've started um, a bit tips and resources page. Um, I was when I when the book first came out, people were saying, "Oh, why didn't you put an index or you know a, a list of stuff?" And the reason I didn't was because I knew that it was going to change, and I knew that there would always be new things coming along, and there'd be more research and things. So um, it's only been up for a few weeks now, and I've I've put on there everything that I used, um, but I, I'm also adding things you know, as I go along. So it's like a, a living resource. Um, it's, it's not supposed to be exhaustive and it's not a medical thing. You know, it's, it's not kind yeah, of it's what's reviewed. worked it's for you. It's a collection yeah. Yeah, of what's yeah. worked for me. I mean, turmeric is known. I mean, um, mm. it's brilliant against Alzheimer's and it's fantastic for the memory and it's, you know, has so many uh, aptitudes for it. You know, linseed teal. Barley water is also brilliant for the kidneys. Um, yes. 
we've got some of that on the go at the moment. <laughs> right. And, and um, you know, eat your greens. I, I eat, you know, big, huge scoop of all greens every day, which, you know, really is very, very concentrated, dried, organic greens, um, which I have. Juicing is not only so healthy for you, as long as it's organic, but it's like nectar, isn't it? When you drink, mm. a, a, you know, it's... It, it obliterates anything else out there, you know, whether you're a coffee lover or an alcohol lover. I'm sorry, when you get that juicing and those combinations together, it's life's nectar going down your oh, throat. Absolutely, because when I was in hospital, Stephen would um, do the juicing and come in with, with this container. And of course, it was, it always had beetroot in it. So it was always a kind of a dark purpley, <laughs> pond sludgy colour. And, um, and Dot, who features very heavily in the book, who was absolutely lovely, she was in charge of all the meals and coffees and whatnot. Um, you know, she made a space in the fridge for me before I was in isolation when I had my own fridge. Um, and she used to be so interested. And I'd, I'd go in, because I was allowed to go into the place and, you know, get it out of the fridge for myself when I wasn't in isolation. Um, and she always used to ask, well, what's in that then? And, you know, she put the label on it for me so that nobody else would touch it and everything. And then she said, but I can't imagine anybody wanting to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> because they're, they're not kind of aesthetically pleasing. But, yeah. um, you know, when you when you drink them, they're just absolutely incredible. Oh. And it's a whole powerhouse. Exactly. And, and the taste is absolutely wonderful. I've been juicing for my kids, uh, you know, since they were teenagers with my first Jack LaLanne juicer machine. And, you know, now they're all juicing out there on their own and uh, it really is so good for your body because it really does feed your body and it neutralizes mm. and it hydrates and it gives our body what we need which you're talking about building an immune system and you know this is one of the excellent ways of doing that yes because one of the interesting things about cancer which i hadn't realized until i was actually ill um is that we all have cancer mm-hmm. within us and it's only when the immune system gets weak that the cancer gets a chance to get the upper hand. And I hadn't known that. I just thought it was something that some people got and some people didn't. So, you know, a, a lot of my thoughts uh, really have been occupied with, um, like, well, I wonder why I got it when, you know, other people didn't. And, like, I lived opposite a field when I was a kid um, that had been heavily um, fertilised and farmed post-war. Well, so did my brothers, and, you know, they're not ill. <laughs> So um, the immune system I, I, just may be stronger, and that's uh, yeah, you know, that's exactly. It. So it is about you know whether you're ill or not. You need to, especially nowadays when food is so nutritionally deficient, that's when you need to build up your immune system. Exactly, and you know you you use another thing, EFT, emotional freedom technique. Um, yeah. Which you know the beauty of that is that you can do this anywhere, anytime. Um, it's not like you don't have to be in a set place if you're in the car, in a, in a you know, gridlock. Um, mm. Just use a little EFT to calm yourself down. Um, yeah. <laughs> tell people a little bit about that technique if they don't understand what it is. Um, it's a technique which is designed to release blockages in the system. Um, and you're reinforcing, uh, well, first of all, you're giving your body the chance to release you're giving it permission um so there's there's key you can find it on the internet if you just put in um eft tapping or uh, crystal tapping um doesn't really matter whether you do it with your fingers or you're holding a crystal and you you have particular points that you tap and some of them will be a lot more sensitive than others so like there's the top of the head there's around the eyebrows um under the eyes under the nose chin breastbone um and wrist and um, some of those will be incredibly sensitive and you, you start out with a, um, a particular thought in mind um, maybe that you're trying to release some sadness about something so you start out by saying um, I'm giving my body permission to be sad and then you, as you do it you start to get the ideas of, of what to come next you, you do it several times with each statement and so what you're doing is allowing your body to release and you're replacing that with a positive statement so it's okay to feel sad about whatever it is. Um, and and you, there's some really good examples on the internet. And then you gradually work your way around to a positive statement about I feel strong about this situation and I give permission for my body to release this or I feel strong now. Um, and depending on what you choose, I, I just sort of, I was working on the way that my body was feeling, which was obviously awful, and I felt awful because my body was feeling awful, and I felt guilty because my body was feeling awful, yeah. you know, there were layers of it, 
And one particular time I did it, I just absolutely howled. Absolutely howled. I was here on my own and um, we've got several cats and one of them was actually really quite distressed and she kind of climbed up in front of me and, and licked the tears off my face, which Aww. was unbelievable. And she, she's never done that. Well, I haven't cried that much, obviously, but... <laughs> You know, it, it's incredibly powerful. It doesn't always work. It depends. Um, I think it depends what you're doing and how emotional you are. Sometimes it works for me and sometimes it doesn't. But when it does, it's incredibly powerful. Well, I think, you know, understanding how powerful our minds are, uh, uh, you know, don't feed the sickness, feed the, you know, the wellness you want to be. And yet it's very hard when you're in pain or, you know, when you're when you're suffering from something. And it's, you know, it's busy nagging at you and its voice is louder than your own and it's really hard to work through that um but you have to find and pull on every single technique you know and or you don't know you know try everything but it it all starts with that thought process of speaking to your wellness and not speaking to your illness Mm. yeah but I i think that's an important point because um i think i make it clear on the blog that i'm Although I am an optimist and I am a positive thinker, I think it's important not to cover up how you're really feeling. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not one of these kind of, you know, the sky's blue and the birds are singing and everything. If I don't feel like that, and I and I say to people, um, especially to cancer patients, you know, if you're feeling grim, then just allow yourself to feel horrible. Yeah. You know, because the number of patients I saw, um, you know, putting on a nice bright, bright face and, oh, yeah, I'm fine, love. And, and then after everybody's gone, you you can see they're not, yeah. you know. And, and everybody else knows that you're putting on a front as well. So it's much better to just be honest and to get that darkness out and then you feel much better than if you're bottling it up. It's, it's not healthy. You have to be true to your emotions. Yes, and as you said, like that damn good cry. You know, that was mm. a wonderful way to release, you know. And, uh, you know, sometimes, yes, you do have to kind of let it out and you have to kind of just feel sorry for yourself. But make sure you don't get caught in the pit, mm. um, you know, and keep falling down into that self-pity Um but, you know, like it's, I've had a good cry now, okay, you know, I've got it out of my system, now what am I going to do about it in order to get back up? I think that's where you need the resources like, um, you know, good positive reading or, or something that empowers you. Mm-hmm. Um, there were several books uh, that I used a lot. One of them I, I really love is um, Thich Nhat Hanh's Fear, and I took that in with me and I read it a lot. Um, and learning techniques to stop your mind wandering and worrying about the future because you know when especially I had very intensive chemo and some of it was really well it was all horrible but there were there was a particular one um, that started with three hours in the morning and then there was a three-hour break and then I had to have something else for two hours to protect my kidneys and then there was another three-hour break and then there was another three hours of nasty one from the morning and so even if it started at 10 in the morning, I would be on the drip for a very long time. Um, and, you know, in the wee small hours when you can't sleep, because there's a funny kind of vibration with the drip as well. It's not, it's not very comfortable to, have, to be attached to a drip. Um, you need resources, you know. And if, if you've got something to use for your mind to focus on to keep you um, sort of uplifted and to think, OK, this isn't going to be forever. Yeah. Exactly. Something that can kind of help feed you now and, uh, you know, paint that picture for your future. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, sound therapy and singing bowls. Um, mm. Even having like meditation tapes uh, with, you know, some great um, meditation sounds or sounds of the ocean. You need something that kind of redirects you, don't you? It kind of takes the the underlayer of your mind off somewhere else because the top layer of your mind is just too much entrenched in it. Yeah, there was a link that I put on the um, on one of the blogs, um, which I'd found quite, can't remember how I found it, um, but it's a link to um, a flash mob meditation in Trafalgar Square on the 21st of June. And it's Thich Nhat Hanh, um, I think it's only eight minutes, but the, the voice and the music is, um, it's the Plum Village community, and it's Thich Nhat Hanh's voice. Um, and it's just absolutely beautiful and so you've got the picture of the people meditating um, which sounds like kind of watching paint dry but actually it's really interesting um, the way that it's shot it just shows different people and their 
oh, some of them just look so peaceful and grounded. Yeah. And, you know, it's all these people just coming and sitting down in Trafalgar Square in the middle of the day. It's absolutely amazing. And the beautiful music. And I watched that endlessly. Whenever I was feeling sort of lonely and, and really fed up with it all, I, I just... If it was a record, it would be worn out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do find something, don't you? Um, mm. I went for a, a time period where everything was going wrong in my life. You know, um, a renovation, my marriage, um, uh, uh, kids breaking things, you know, bones, etc. And it just was like a couple of years of one thing after the other. And um, peculiarly enough, Yanni got me through it. Yeah. And uh, it was just something about his music that to just take me out of this you know, like, God, what now? <laughs> yeah. To, you know, letting go and just finding a flow. And I think it's just taking your mind and your soul somewhere else so it can recharge, so that it can kind of come back and then deal with what you're going through in your physical moment. Yeah, humor's good as well. My youngest son, um, because they, at the time, um, they were living sort of partly um, with their dad. Um, and my youngest son, who's um, he's 22 now, but he was in his twen- early 20s, and um, he was in charge of keeping me laughing because he he was on all these things on his phone uh, that were apps that you could get that would send you funny pictures, and he he got me to have WhatsApp on my phone, and occasionally there'd just be this absolutely stupid picture come through, you know, and because laughter therapy is so good, oh, and yeah. that's one of the reasons why there's very black humour on the blog because. I found that the only way through some of this stuff was just by, as I was going through it, like even the bone marrow um, biopsies, which are really horrible and really painful. Um, even with those, I was thinking about how I would write about them. And that really kept me sane because I knew that I would be doing it in a funny way. Yes. Um, Humour is incredibly important and it really lifts you as well. Um, incredibly important because it, it's a release and it again takes you outside because it's so easy um, and especially I think people around you uh, oh you poor thing or are you in pain mm. or are you there and they don't realise you know that actually they're making you worse mm. instead of going you know what you're looking chipper today mm. oh you look dreadful what are we going to do to make you feel better you know and coming at you with a more positive thing and sometimes yes just somebody needs to take you in their arms and give you a hug um, there, that is very, very important. But it's, you know, people, I know they mean well, but there are certain people that like to feed the illness as opposed oh, to feeding yeah. the wellness. Yeah, and they do it in very strange ways, actually, because um, I think, especially once I lost my hair, I felt very vulnerable. I was wearing a headscarf. I didn't want to wear a wig, and I was wearing a headscarf. Um, and we were out um, at, a, in fact, it was two years ago this month, um, we were at a, a food festival because I was on one of my spells out of hospital. Um, and it was it was a nice sunny day and I was really quite cheerful and we were wandering around and it was just, you know, it was a nice feel-good thing. And this lady came up to me and she said, I know what, just completely out of the blue, never met her before, she just came up and said, um, I know what you're going through and you will get through it and you'll be really strong and I just want you to have this. And she gave me this little wooden cross which was, it was a lovely thing to do. It was, you know, really kind of her. But she barged straight into my, I'm not in chemo today, I'm feeling good, I'm in the sunshine, and reminded right. me... Yes, people don't realise. I mean, they mean well, and they, you know, want you to give you a gift to make you feel well, but they don't realise that you maybe your vibration is kind of on the up and you're feeling good and you don't need any reminders of the feeling bad. And, you know, I think it's... When we're wanting to help somebody, you know, instead of coming up to you, and kind of saying that going up and saying you're looking fabulous you know mm-hmm. uh, you know kind of change your dialogue and and uh, you're looking so well it's good to see you out and that kind of is more of an uplifting thing rather than a reminder of you know your sick thing so it's you know be kind be nice be thoughtful but at the same time you know just like look at the situation and feed where they are now not where they were yesterday Yes, uh, I think one thing to realise is that when um, <clears throat> people are out in the shops and things, is that they have quite a frag- well. I certainly had quite um, a, a fragile hold on myself when I was out in public because although I got used to me not having any hair, um, wearing a headscarf, somebody who's walking around with no eyebrows and, and some kind of headgear is is obviously in treatment, and they don't want to be reminded of it. I think. 
it, it depends on the situation, doesn't it? There was a time when, because I'd lost my eyebrows and I wanted to to try and look a bit more normal, I went into a health food shop and had a lovely consultation with this lady who, because I went in and I said, right, you know, I haven't got any eyebrows and can you help me out with an eyebrow pencil so I can and teach me how to do eyebrows because I had no idea. Um, and because I approached her, that was fine because I was ready to talk about it and she was a fantastic help. But you can't just go sort of crashing into someone's life. It's, uh, it's probably best just not to. <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of take a moment and just kind of look at where they're at, you know. Um, and, you know, sometimes even just a real encouraging smile is all that someone needs. Mm. Uh, you know, I love the Sinead look, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, even a bit of humor is good, you know. So it's... Oh, it's, yeah. just don't I mean, take there, it to the drama <laughs> yeah I mean, there was there was one time when um my hair had only just started growing back um like it, i think it was probably about my second day when i didn't wear the headscarf um and i i was sort of out you know um i was i wasn't wearing it at home at that point um and i went to the bank um and the girl in front of me had obviously shaved her head for charity probably for cancer right know? and so of course she went up to the to the window to the cashier and the girl said oh my god you did it and did you do the eye makeup and how do you feel and everything you know and she was saying oh well i've got to wear a hat sometimes because it's really cold and i'm behind her in the queue and i wanted to say well well done you but have you got any idea what it really feels like <laughs> i'm the real version <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, people, they, perhaps they, they you say, should have said it though I mean you know the only way yeah. people are going to know is to actually speak up and say you know even tap them on the shoulder and say thank you for shaving your head for me um, mm. you know it's um, it will grow back but uh, you know but it's you know thank you for that camaraderie because you know then they actually are facing somebody that's actually going through it and they'll learn from you right instead of being disconnected mm. yes yeah, so I wish I had actually but she the bank was laid out so that she went out a different way from how I came in mm -hmm. and um so i didn't unfortunately get the chance to sort of you know to say to her you know thank you so much i mean the other thing was you know wow you're looking really slim i mean i was never fat right <laughs> people have, people have said oh you're looking really slim you know and i like the short hair and how do you do that i said oh six months chemo stem cell transplant <laughs> you know it's just so funny i could be so badly behaved with it and you can have a huge amount of fun with it and you know not not focus on the drama well, that's, and it's important. If you're making light of it, then you're inviting them to do the same. Mm. Um, you know, because obviously you want to feed the wellness. You know, the person is out and about. And it's great to see you out and about. When are you ready to party? You know, um, mm. and give them something to look forward to instead of looking back on. Yeah, I, I think most of the time I was like that, practically all the time. I suppose Stephen was the one that saw the bad days when I just couldn't get out of bed and things because I was so weak. But... Um, you know, on the whole, it was everyday treatment that I had was one less that I had to have. Yeah. So, you know, I could I could see a progression, and we were heading somewhere, and you know, I was actually being treated, and um, and I think one really big thing was that I never actually really admitted to myself that I was ill. I certainly felt rotten, but that was because of the chemo. Yeah. So, um, you know, you get people who talk about my cancer and my yeah. journey and everything. And I don't. I never owned the cancer. And I never really ad agreed that I was ill. Um, I always said that, you know, I, I went in the Dormart Health Club and somehow ended up on a cancer ward. Um, well, and, you, and it, really... it was an unwanted visitor, wasn't it? Coming to stay yeah. for a while and you kind of, you know, waiting for the in-laws to go. <laughs> yeah, hard one to evict. <laughs> yeah, exactly, a squatter. <laughs> Despite all the hints. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I recently did a, an interview with someone. Um, she wrote a book called I Laughed in the Face of Cancer. And she knows that she bought the cancer on. In fact, when they said to her, um, you have cancer and you have two weeks to live, she goes, oh, thank you. And, it, and she, it, at that point, she actually realized that she had a choice between giving in and dying or this was the start of her life. And it's her entire emotional journey had led her to that point on um, unhappiness, you know, discontent, not being seen, not being heard, not being present in her own life. And that cancer she had manifested because she was afraid of it. And then when she got it, it was a justification. And, and I think that people don't realize that you have it physically had it physically through physical ailments but so many people bring it on emotionally today that was an interesting one because um people 
kind of they they it was another case of people meaning well um but there were quite a few of them that that came on and, and wanted to, to kind of examine how I could have possibly caused this and brought it on myself, uh-huh. which actually made me quite cross because I have done quite a vast amount of internal work um, in recent decades. Um, and also my mum had breast cancer twice and she died from it. My dad had lung cancer. Um, so I've given all of these things a tremendous amount of thought and certainly with what my mum had I know that she was um, sitting on her emotions and, and compromising yeah. and you know all of those usual things and and that's another example where people can come crashing in and they don't really mean to mm-hmm. um, but it's a very private area for somebody to even you know you're trying to deal with the illness you're trying to deal with the fact that you've been diagnosed with something so horrible and you don't really need people coming along in effect, telling you that you've caused it and blaming yourself. Yes. You know, it has to be phrased very carefully. I'm sure it's valid, but it has to be phrased very carefully. Yes, exactly. And and to, in today's thing, the amount of people getting cancer due to um, Roundup and, and uh, various other GMO type things is, is on the increase. Um, mm. And it's very well documented, however much they want to deny it. And it, it is something that we have to really, you know... Uh, put spotlight on and not to feed the illness or the problem but to, to feed the solution which is let's mm. get rid of all the roundup on those pesticides there are many other ways that you can actually treat a crop without all these uh, heavy chemicals um could essentially it's like an agent orange isn't it that's in there yeah well interestingly enough chemotherapy was developed from agent orange <laughs> scary, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it is quite strange, isn't it? That you know, well, it's just toxic, isn't it? And it shouldn't be in our bodies. Yes. So, and of course, know, now I, the important thing is, is that now you've had the chemotherapy, is that people have to, you know, oh, it's come back. Well, what did you do? You know, once you got rid of it, did you invite it back? Did you look after your body? Did you keep your body clean? Did you build your immune system? Did you, you know, build your soul and your heart and your mind system? Um, it is a question of that. You've got to keep that investment in on yourself, haven't you, to make sure mm-hmm. that it is gone and no invitation to come back at all. Yes, you do end up in a peculiar place in your head, though, um, when when you're told, you know, I had the scan and they were jumping around the room saying, you're in remission and do you want me to print this out and everything? And look, there's no sign of anything. Um, and I said, no, no, you know, it's fine. Because as far as I was concerned, it was only that day when I had that scan that I was in remission. And um, that doesn't, I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just that it's sort of almost meaningless. And yes, it's lovely to be told that you're in remission. I don't deny that for a second. But living, you have to find a way of living with the possibility that it could come back. And as you say, not inviting it, not giving any chance for it to come back at all. But there's always that thought whenever you get a really weird ache or you don't shake a cold off or, you know, any of those things. Um, It's not quite so easy. You can't just dismiss it and live totally for the future because I've spoken to a lot of people about it. And I think that's a common feeling, especially with people who have got a cancer that is not very easily cured. Exactly. But you are cured. You're doing everything you can. Um, mm. health-wise, mentally and, and everything else to make sure it doesn't come back. You're aware of what caused it in the first place and avoiding it at all costs. And, you know, one has to look upon it, as we said earlier, as you were chosen for this path, for the message that you will get out to other people in preventing them getting it in the first place. Yes, and, and um, I'm thinking, well, I've written the book now, so I don't need it to come back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've done that, thank you very much. I've yeah, got that was your chapter. Yeah. Me alone. I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. So you, your purpose has been met. Now you're on a different journey and a different chapter in life. But let's, re, let's revisit your, your work. Um, mm. your, um, you have your company called the um, Wessex oh. Astrologer. Yes. And uh, tell us a little about that, which, of course, people kept going for you, which was excellent while you were, while you yeah. were sick. Um, it start, I started it in 1996. Um, I'd, started, I'd always been interested in astrology, and um, I went to a workshop in 1995 and uh, just fell in love. I, I learned, actually, how to do charts properly. Um, it's my first sort of proper 
um, astrological study. Um, and so I started going to classes and I got very frustrated that I couldn't get the books I wanted um, because they certainly weren't in the shops and they were all firm sale only so I couldn't even browse them and this was before Amazon really got going. Um, and so there were a few of us wanted books and I thought, well, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm sure I can do something about this. So I went into our local bookshop that did have an astrology section and I just looked at the stickers on the back of the books which happened to have a distributor phone number on, handily enough. Um, so I just phoned them up and said, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting a company and, and, I, want, and I wasn't at that time. Um, I'm starting a company um, and I want to buy books wholesale so I can sell them to the people in the classes. You know, will you give me a discount? Can I open an account? And they said yes to both. And all of a sudden I'd started. Um, <laughs> and Another then, path chosen for you. Yeah. And then... Um, my teacher brought um, some magazines and things into one of the classes, and one of them was called The Mountain Astrologer. And um, when I was looking at it, I thought, well, this is really good. I'd like to sus- subscribe to this. Um, and then, I mean, I don't have a problem making international calls or anything, but it suddenly occurred to me that quite a lot of people probably wouldn't like to do it. And there must be loads of people in Europe who wanted to subscribe. So um, I approached the publisher of TMA, and said who I was and what I was doing and that we would really like to um, distribute the magazine in Europe. And he agreed, so then we started doing that. Um, and then I was also irritated because the books that I wanted to read were going out of print. And I just thought they shouldn't be out of print, so I'll start publishing. So <laughs> it just went from there, really. And then um, one of the... In fact, my first author, Camilla Sutton, who is a very, very highly regarded Vedic astrologer, and she's got loads of students all over the world um we we met and really got on together and she said you know i really want to write a book and i said well i really want to publish a book um so hers her essentials of vedic astrology was actually the first book um and so some years later now we have over 50 books in print um the list took a little bit of a a nosedive obviously i was um being treated i wasn't able to publish books uh, during that year but we've caught up now with the backlog I think Excellent so, and you know I mean this is when people are in a soul journey you know they're looking it's not a question of looking for answers because the answers are always within you I think they're looking more for the question and you know other people's journey has become the question and they found their own answer and all we are is just you know an, um, an inspiration or um tools that we have that help other people along the way and by reading these other books you know it just helps you kind of resonate with yourself and your own journey Um, and they open up your mind because they open up your soul and they open up your heart and they let your spirit free and so I encourage people to do as much reading as possible because um, you know don't say you don't understand if you're not willing to open up a book and learn and that's what books are there for you know they're there to guide you into understanding your own inner truth so it's um it's a wonderful way of pointing in and switching yourself on isn't it well yes it is um and i think there's several sides to that because one of the things with obviously editing all the books is i'm i'm exposed to a huge amount of very high level knowledge because we we publish um sort of high level astrology books rather than beginner level um and so uh, I've always sort of joked I really wish I could have a chip in my head so that I could remember all the information because when I'm working on a book with somebody, it's very intense. Um, and then, you know, that one goes and the next one I start working on and all the other stuff is gone. And I really wish that I could keep all the information in my head. Um, but you have a very special relationship with the author while you're doing it. And um, I started up another imprint within Wessex, which is called Flying Horse Books, which is for non-astrological books. Um, and, and those have been a completely different joy, really, because um, it isn't astrological knowledge, it's spiritual knowledge, and it's, um, I mean, we've got books like um, The Soulmate Myth with Judy Hall and The Book of Why, which is a follow-up to it, which is about Twin Flames. Um, we've got The Book of Psychic Development, and we've got Good Vibrations by her, which is about psychic development and protection, which is obviously even more popular these days. Um, we've got Diary of a Reluctant Psychic, which is the true story of, of a girl who was psychic from a very young age and how she's managed to cope with it in a very difficult life. So I feel so privileged to have been in touch with these people 
and you know they, they've all really touched my life permanently I think and you know as far as like knowingness is concerned you know I always say that when you open up to you know the divine information through your soul resonates with your heart uh, it lifts your spirit into action and your mind will know what it needs to know at the time it needs to know it and all the information that you have accumulated at the time you need to know it it will be there and it will be there relevant to that moment in time I think that's true with um, the books in Flying Horse. Um, I think if I'm talking about traditional techniques in primary directions in astrology, that's possibly not quite so right. Right, yeah, because <laughs> when it goes into charts and all those type of things. But, I mean, for you, you're, you're meant to retain what you're meant to retain. Um, and yeah. that's the thing. And, you know, I, I've known a few people with the numerology and, and uh, you know, one of the people I know, I mean, she can just spouted off at you know 10,000 miles a second and how she's got all this information in her head I don't know but that is her path that's her calling Mm. she's meant to have that information and for her it's not hard it's just automatic so you know we we retain the information that we are needing for our path I think that's another thing as well actually because when you're guided to the right thing it's it's not actually learning Mm. um like with astrology, I never actually felt that I was learning astrology. I felt as though it was just as though the dust was being blown off. And it was like, oh, yeah, of course, you know. Um, and I think when something is right for you, it's not difficult to learn. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just there. It's like it's like awakening a memory. Yeah, selling a memory from many other lifetimes of, of, of being. Mm. And, you know, it, all it is is that when you find something that becomes so so fluid for you you know and so easy to do that is that you've now found your path you found Mm. your purpose and uh, it's not for you to know everything about it it's for you to embrace what you do know and what you do with it Um, Mm. you know like as you said you started off with this astrology thing but then it was more about the books that were needed to be provided rather than you doing it and so Mm. you know we have to take these many paths until we find that one that says this is where I'm meant to be and then embrace that yes I think it can take quite a long time to get to that point because I I was um I didn't actually start the business until I was um sort of nearly 40 and um I think for the rest of that time up until then I was kind of almost in the wilderness looking for my thing you know and I knew I hadn't found it um and then when you do find the right thing you know that you've come home and, you know, that it's like living your dream. It, it's not yeah. like going to work and slogging away and then coming home and you have a different life. It's, um, now, did you say it's, you it's started this in the late 90s? Yeah. Yeah, because like mid-90s, 94, 95 was a huge awakening. And it was awakening of the teachers, the guiders. And so for you, your awakening was to put these books together, you know, for people who are awakening to be guided into what their purpose is. So you had a very, very significant role to play. And that was providing the information for those people that were waking up and not quite sure where they were going. And then these books provided that information. But the, you know, 94, 5 and on uh, was an enormous waking as we did have in, you know, 2012 again. Oh, I'm not sure what that was. But we, we got some music in there. <laughs> Okay, celestial bells. Yeah, yes, exactly. Thank you. I'd like that. The little <laughs> angels shaking their bells. But, um, but that's the point is, is that um, we don't always know what our journey is. Um, somebody posted something on, uh, on Facebook. Are you, are you still with me? Yeah. Oh, good, good. <laughs> We're not losing you again. Um, and it was interesting. It was the um, a little chart. One of it was an arrow, the plan, you know, going from zero straight up. And then the other one was the reality. And it was all these curls and twirls and, and everything else. And I would always take the curls and the twirls because it's so much more interesting. Because what you learn on your journey, your ups and downs and your backwards and forwards and your inside outs is really what makes life so extraordinary and so worth living. Um, I wouldn't want to go from zero to, you know, in the straight line because you're missing out so much. Yeah, I, I think when I was going through chemo, some of me just wanted to be on that straight line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I wouldn't miss it for the world. And, and I think the people who who close their minds to anything like, 
you know, anything that's going to develop their soul or their spirit. Um, I, I really feel sorry for them. It's like they, there are people who are so resistant to any idea of astrology or anything, you know, slightly paranormal or um, spiritual development or, you know, reincarnation or any of those things. And I just think, oh, you're missing out so much. You're living such a two-dimensional life. But that's their path too. Yes. You know, I, I, for all its twists and turns, you know, it, it's an amazing life and it's learning to appreciate it at every single moment because you never know when it's going to be snatched away. Precisely. And, you know, we, we can't awaken people that aren't ready to be awoken. Um, you know, it's what we can do is shed the light and the time will come, you know, to when they're, mm. when they're ready to receive. And, uh, you know, the more that we kind of um, shed that light and the more and more they realize there's something to walk forward to. And, and that's all we can do, Right. Yes, I think a really important part of this is not to preach or proselytize. Yeah. I think it is having some kind of, I don't know, glow or, or happiness or smile or twinkle or sparkle or whatever, um, so that eventually people say, what are you actually doing? Because I want some of what you've got. Yeah, exactly. You know, doing it by example. And that, that's the only way, because otherwise you bore people stupid. Um, you know, and it's sort of... Like, like, you know, healers who've just discovered that they can heal or they've learned how to heal and they want to go and heal the world and don't realise the world doesn't especially want to be healed at that moment. You know, no, it's and, it might be, and it might simply just be the one person at a time. Mm. And, and that if you understand that, that even worth helping... You know, I get this, how many people are listening to your show? I said those that need to hear it. Mm. And it might be one at this moment. Um, because it's instant listening and people can listen to it whenever they come across it, uh, that means they're ready to hear it. But it's not for the masses that are not going to be able to hear the content. It's for those that are on the journey that are ready to be inspired, um, you know, to use different tools or look at different perspectives or just have somebody that really kind of lifts them up and points them in another direction. Um, that's all we can do. And it's whether it's one person or a hundred people at a time, that's, you know, that's God's design. But each with each person and each time we believe in something, every time somebody buys one of those books, we're raising a vibration mm. by raising that divine information. It still gives me an amazing thrill when I look at um, which books have sold where and, you know, like through which channels. Uh-huh. And I just love it. I just think, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so satisfying. I don't, you know, I'll never get used to that feeling. It's, it's such a privilege to be involved with that side of life. I just love it. And giving people that, you know, that avenue to find what really will help them on their spiritual path. So, having said that, um, first and foremost, how do people get your book under cover of darkness? Oh, okay. Um, they can go direct to Amazon. Any of the Amazons have got it. Just put in Undercover of Darkness, Margaret Carhill, and it'll come up. Um, a nice way to get it would be to go to my blog page, which is margaretcarhill.wordpress.com. <clears throat> and on the front page, there's actually a link to the book, which takes you to Amazon, or one of the Amazons, whichever one's appropriate. Right. And uh, would you give everybody your um, Wessex site and, and your Flying Horseman and all of that? Yeah, sure. Um, it's wessexastrologer.com, which is um, the site that includes the books that we publish and also other people's books that we distribute and sell. And there's over 400 titles on that. And there's flyinghorsebooks.com, um, which is, um, at the moment, there are six um, mind, body, spirit books, which are mostly about reincarnation, karma, and psychic development. Wonderful. So, you know, if you really want to know more about what's tapping you on the shoulder, um, you know, go for a book that resonates with you. Just look at the titles, look at some of the, you know, the, the bylines of it. And for me, when I go into a bookstore, I go to the book that's inviting me, that's speaking to me. And it could be the same when they go into yours. There will be a book there that stands out. And that's the book that you're needing to read. And the, you might only come away with one thing from that book, but it could be something that could be very profound. And, and really set you on your path and uh, you know, encourage you not just to read one book but several books because I know when I was reconnecting with my soul when it had been lost for a while I read numerous types of books from whatever the universe wanted me to read and it really helped me find my truth and find my path again and ignite my soul back into power again um, so you know, take the journey take the, 
the beautiful written journey because it really helps you understand your own voice. Yeah, definitely does. And there are times when you're drawn to particular books, um, as you say, and those are the ones to go for. Even, you know, I've had people recommend books and say, this is absolutely incredible. You've got to read it. It's really going to help you. It's amazing. And I just look at it and think, mm, nah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's whatever's calling you. Yes. So There'll hopefully people will find we, something. Yeah. They'll jump out, that speaks to me, I need to read that. And trust those instincts and, and do that because clearly there's a message for you in there that you need to hear. Mm. Well, I am delighted that um, this journey that you have taken has led you yet down another path, a very positive path. So not only are you giving people the books they need for their own spiritual journey, but you know now um, through your um, illness that you have, you've become a great educator on you know the roundup, the GMOs, what you can do to be healthy, the mindset, and you know another path, uh, you know to to put in your arsenal, so to speak. And thank you for making it um, choosing for it to be a positive journey for you and one in which you can share with other people and uh, and help them on their own journey. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Well, folks, uh, everybody gets challenges in life. It's a question of how we choose uh, to embrace them and what they really do mean. And they never give up and they never give in. And positive thinking equals positive living. And But learning to embrace and love yourself during this journey will lead you yet to another chapter in your life and another purpose in your life, just as it does has it done with Margaret. So thank you for choosing to go down this path and sharing it with us. And um, please keep up the fabulous work and the fabulous uh, sharing because somewhere along the line you were most certainly educating and saving lives. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay, folks, it's up to you. All we can do is give you the information. It's up to you whether you're willing to take the journey and pick up a book, uh, read her blog, listen to this story again, share it with other people, be mindful of uh, the labels and the foods that you eat, and just you know take ownership of your own journey by participating in it. And until next time, start off by being kind to yourself. <laughs>